soon. That time is running out. He doesn't want you believing that. He doesn't want you thinking that. He doesn't want you convicted of that because he knows that a believer who believes that, who, who has come to the conviction that the Lord is coming back soon, here's some things that will happen. If you really believe that, here, here's what happens. You become a prayer warrior. Because you're, you're praying, you're, you're, you're wanting to fellowship with God, you want to draw closer to Him, you're praying for your lost family members and friends, co-workers, all that. You become a prayer warrior when you believe the time is short. Uh, you, you become bold in your witness for Jesus when you believe the time is short. You strive to live a holy life that's pleasing unto the Lord when you believe the time is short. You know, I think what we have a lot of times in church, we have people who say, you know, here's what we have. We have practical atheism rampant in the church. Does it, do y'all know what I'm talking about? You know what that means? We, we, we say we're a Christian. We say we believe certain things, but we live as though we're an atheist. We live as though we don't really believe those things. And if we really believe, and I do, that the Lord is coming back soon. Now, what does soon mean? I, I'm convinced that it can very well be in my lifetime. It could be 100 years. I don't think so. I just don't see how that could be possible. And, and you know, well, and the scoffer would say, well, they've always said that. That always been like, well, they have. But they have not had the answers to prophecy that we have now, fulfilled prophecies. And as we look at Israel, we're going to see why Israel is a key piece of that. But Satan is scared. He doesn't want you doing that. Um, you know, if you become a, if you're convicted, convinced of those things, then he knows that, that you'll see to it that every person that you love or care about knows, God, knows of God's love, knows that God loves them, knows that he sent a Savior to, to die for them and make a way to be redeemed and bought back and put in right relationship with God and be able to go to heaven and, and not die and go to hell and, and all that. They, Satan knows that if you're convinced, then, then you'll do those things. And so that's the reason why, you know, we're going to do this study because I believe we're in the last times. And, and, and I'm praying that it convinces us, if we're not convinced, it convicts us. And, and we really get to a point where we go, the Lord's got to be coming back soon. And we live that way. There's a lot of Christians that honestly really want the Lord to come back. They do, just not soon. You know, I, 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 I want to, I'd love to have grandkids. I would. I, I don't want them in nine months, I tell you. Uh, but but I, I, I'd love to see grandkids. Oh, retirement. You know, I just, I want to get to retirement. You know what? I want to get to heaven. And there was a day when I was 24 years old or younger or maybe a little older. I remember the day. I, I really thought that way. I, my rationalization was, well, you know, we don't, I don't want the rapture to come because there's people that need to get saved. And, and yeah, trying to sound all spiritual. Um, that's God's business. And he knows who is going to be saved. And when the last person the last one to make that profession of faith, the Lord's coming back. That's not our business. That's his business. But I'm convinced he's coming back soon. 
And I pray that we catch that and we get that so that we live with a burning passion and desire uh, uh, for life and what we're doing right now because the days are few. Amen? So that's why we're doing this. All right, so we're going to look at Israel. This is going to sound more informational. This isn't going to sound preachy, I don't think, tonight at all. Some of you are going to amen, but uh, here we go. So Israel, now at precisely 4 p.m. local time on May 14, 1948, in Tel Aviv, Israel, David Ben-Gurion called a, a meeting to order. He went in, he went at four o'clock on the dot, he called a meeting. And in 17 minutes, he read the Declaration of Independence of the New State of Israel. So from the time, from, from, from the time from, from A.D. 135 until 1948, there was no land in existence called Israel. That's 1,813 years that there was no nation called Israel. Isaiah wrote of this day, of that day in 1948, um, 740 years before the birth of Christ. He wrote of that. Isaiah 66, 8 says, Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. And when you look at that, that's the miracle of, of the birth of Israel. I mean, it was, when you look at the, at, at, and we're going to walk through that, it's miraculous. That event, May 14th, 1948, was a miraculous event. So we're going to go back, all right? So we're going to go back, and um, I know I won't get through this. So, um, God created Adam and Eve, amen? We know that. Adam and God created Adam and Eve. They fell into sin. Uh, man multiplied on the earth, and God brought judgment. We saw in Genesis chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, and the Lord uh, was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing, and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So God instructed Noah to build an ark. And this was the means by which God would preserve them during uh, his destruction of the created order by water. The, he was, you know, the ark was the, it was the, it was the means of preserving them. It was, you know, the, the ark is a, a, really a type of Christ. When you look at that, it's, it was the means of salvation. And it was Pitch on the inside and outside, and that word pitch, if you study that out, is, is the same word as atonement. It was the covering of the blood. It was the covering of the pitch. It's still that. It's the covering of the blood. But this is how God preserved them from that destruction. And Noah and his family, they exited the ark one year and 11 days after the first rain began to fall. So God started over again with just eight people, not long. Uh, and man, not long after that, man had repopulated and repolluted. Okay, didn't take long for that to happen because of our sin nature. That, that, that wasn't dealt with. Man has a sin nature, and, and, and so no time at all. They've repopulated, and now they've repolluted. And so now they're off in the plain of Shinar, and that's in Genesis 11, 2, in the region of ancient Mesopotamia. And man has decided that he can reach into heaven and be his God by building a great tower that, that we know today as the Tower of Babel. And man says, we're going to build a tower to God. We're going to reach heaven. And uh, so what God do? He confused their language. 
and he scattered the people into different regions of the earth. And this is why we find, I, this, is, this is beyond my research, but this is why we find towers in my belief. We find towers and we find pyramids all over the planet. You, you can go home tonight and you can search on any channel and find ancient aliens. Not any channel, but you can find the channels. And it's ancient aliens. And they've got all these reasons to say aliens came here and brought life to earth. But they reject the simple truth that has been given of how life came to be, how we came to be, and all of this. It's amazing the depths that sinful man will go to to excuse himself of being accountable to God. So God again preserved his people and his plan for the creation of Israel. And God reversed the curse of Babel, uh, of Babel on the day of Pentecost as the believers spoke one language. So it's interesting, you know, he confused the language and then he brought it back at Pentecost and he, and he unified that. He, he almost reversed that curse. But we go to Genesis chapter 12. Now God is, is doing a new thing. He's going to bring a new people upon the face of the earth. A new people. And it's a people that will worship and serve him and him alone. And so we, we now entering into the story is Abram. And God in Genesis 12 verse 1 says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's family to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot with, uh, went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. We see here God has called Abram, at that point, not even a believer. And he calls him, and Abram follows. And I don't, that would be an interesting conversation to see or to hear or to, 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 to watch. I, I hope it's all on DVD. And we, when we get there, we, we can go, all right, I want to see that. And, you know we, we, you know, we get to see the clip of that. I want to see the Red Sea parted. I want to I see these conversations. And, and, I, and I wonder, how did he speak? It doesn't tell us. God spoke, and he and he heard him, and he and he responded. And uh, Abram, then Abraham, he was good at that. He was he had his faults, but man, when he heard God, he went. God said, "Go." He went. I love that. But here, here's Abram. He's entering in, and uh, we're going to look more at this in the weeks to come. With, with this Abrahamic co covenant here that God had made, and there's a lot that's in that, and we're going to look at that. So God spoke to Abram, and again, I don't know how he did it. It might have been a dream at night. It might have been a vision in the day. It could have been an audible voice. It, it, it could have been that there was just this growing disgust with the pagan worship uh, of the moon deities of Mesopotamia. It could have been that, 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 that he used to push him. But God spoke, however, and Abram, he listened. And God made promises to Abram that had to do with a new people. And it was a people as numerous as the stars in the night sky and the sand of the seashore. And we know that. So, you know, when you go out at night and you, you think about that, the promise that God made to Abram. You know, they're going to out, this people that's going to come from you, your descendants. Are you going to go out and it's going to be more than the stars? Well, I, if you've ever been out on a night where there's no lights 
It's really dark. It, there's, the stars are amazing. And, and it's, it's more than we can count now. And, and then when you think about the fact is that most of the stars we see aren't stars at all. They're galaxies. And we're looking at galaxies with, with billions of stars within them. And there's billions of galaxies out there. So it, it, when, you, when you think about that, it's mind-boggling what God was telling him. And, and, and they'll out, you know, be like the sand of the seashore. And it's a people that would reside in, reside in a land that was going to be theirs by divine decree. They didn't buy the land. They didn't go take it from somebody else just of their own accord. God said, this is going to be your land. You're going to go there. This is your land. He gave it to Abram, and it was going to be theirs going forward. So God not only promised a people and a place, but he had a plan. Now, Abram was 75 when God made these promises. Abram listened to his wife, Sarai. Um, I'm going to leave Sarai alone, okay? I'm not going to mess with her. But she made some suggestions there that were ungodly suggestions. They weren't by faith. It was the wrong suggestions. And, and okay, she made the suggestions. But he acted on it. He followed through with it. And so she, she said this. You know, let's take things in our own hands. God has made this promise from your offspring, but I, I can't give you any children. So here, you, 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 take, this, you, you take my servant girl here and, and uh, Hagar, and you, you take her and... And, uh, and from that, Ishmael is born. And Ishmael is born of the flesh. Okay? He's not the child of promise. Ishmael is born. He's born the child of flesh. And uh, understand that Ishmael was not God's promised heir in this. So God reaffirmed his promise to Abram of a, I'm going to say this, a miracle child. It's a miracle child. So when we get to Genesis 17, then Abram was 99 years old. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called, shall be uh, Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make nations of you and kings shall come from you and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to, to, be God to, uh, to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession. That's important we understand that. And the whole argument today is, is they want to, you know, those that claim that's not Israel's land. God gave that to them back in Genesis. He gave it to Abraham. He says, this is your land, this land of Canaan, it's yours. And he gave it to him as an everlasting possession. Now, we can't do that on earth. I can't give a possession and go, hey, this will never go to anybody else. It's only my descendant. I can't, I can't do that. It's, it, it, it ain't going to happen, right? God can do that. And he did that. And so it, is, it was their land. It was already promised to them before there was a them. Before they were even in existence, God made a promise. It's Abraham's land, and it was through the child of promise. So here's the plan. Genesis 17, 19. Then God said, um, 
No, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. So before the birth of this child of promise, before that, Isaac, you know, there was, there was no such race on earth as the Jew. Now, I hear people talk about, you know, they are God's chosen people. But, it, but it's, that sounds that we got to be clear on something because that almost sounds like when you're talking about a chosen people, it's like there was a, there was a, a you know, a, a host of these nations and God said, all right, I'll, I'll pick that one. He didn't just pick them, he created it. And it was not just, you know, your next child is going to be this new nation. It was a miraculous birth. The, the Jews are, are more than what we would think the chosen people. They weren't just selected a bunch of groups. God created this group of people from a miraculous birth, from a 90-year-old woman and a 100-year-old man. I mean, there was no way they were going to have a child, right? I mean, I know there's some old guys in Hollywood that are trying to sow their oats now. It's amazing to me these 75 and 80-year-old men are marrying young women and wanting to father children. and you're gonna, That kid's going to graduate kindergarten. You might not see it. You know, what are you thinking? I'm talking about today. I'm not talking about then. I'm talking about today, these guys. So this is a miraculous thing. So God supernaturally brought Isaac into existence when Abraham uh, was 100, when Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah was 90. And uh, so Isaac's birth was impossible by man's understanding. And physically, it was impossible. But God worked a miracle to bring into this world his chosen people, the Jewish people. And this is, this is I mean, we... we I'm amazed. I, I'm, it blows my mind when I look around and see the anti-Semitism. It just it tells me it's spiritual, right? It just it just affirms for me that it's it's spiritual warfare. Satan hates them because they're God's chosen people. He hates them, and therefore he creates and stirs these troubles, and and peoples of the world hate them. So why these people? Why this people? So there were three suggestions as I'm reading and studying, and I found these things. So one was that he wanted a people, a race, who would be holy in their living, unlike the Gentiles. Number two, he intended for the Jewish people to infect the world with monotheism, and that's the worship of one, the one true God, Jehovah. Number three was you know, God wanted to bless the Jewish people and show the rest of the world what he could do through a group of people who were wholly committed to him. So what happened? Well, it doesn't take long as you, can, as you read on in, in, there in the Old Testament to see that the Jewish people individually and as a nation collectively failed to meet God's desire for them. They failed to be holy in their living. They became idolatrous in their worship. And as a result of their attitudes and actions, God could not bless them. So God repeatedly sent prophets to them to warn them of impending suffering and servitude. You know, and let's see what, what you read the Old Testament. What do you see? God says, you need to get right or there's going to be judgment. They don't get right. He brings judgment. He brings judgment. They decide to get right. They get right. He blesses. He tells them, you stay right. And what do they do? It's a cyclical thing. And, and th there's the stubborn, stiff neck. They were stiff neck people. You know, they were. We are. Amen. 
I mean, I read this and I go, well, I mean, yeah, it's the Jews, but that's us. That's sin nature. We see it. It's a sin nature. And so uh, the message was repent or, or you'll be carried into captivity. And they didn't repent and God did judge. And they were taken into captivity. And so the Assyrians, the Babylonians, followed by the Medes and Persians, the Greeks, and finally the Romans. So God sent prophets, and then God sent his own son, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And their rejection of Christ brought the worst of all persecutions. It brought a dispersion from the land. At that point, this was, man, they're, gonna, they're gone. They're, you're going out of this land, and there was a dispersion. Because of their failure to return to God, Israel's homeland was taken from the Jewish people. So this dispersion or diaspora was so complete that Roman historians considered that there was not a place where the Jews could not be found. They were scattered everywhere around the world because they were dispersed from there, from their land, their land. And this wasn't the Romans doing this. This was God's judgment on them. Now, God used the nations around them, in different, but it was God's judgment on them. They rejected and rejected and rejected and rejected and rejected and God judged and now they're dispersed all over the world. So Jesus predicted the absolute and total destruction of the temple. If you, and we read this a few weeks ago, Matthew 24, uh, when Jesus went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple, verse 2, and Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left uh, here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will, be these when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? So in A.D. 66, exactly what Jesus said was going to happen, happened. And the temple was destroyed. And, you know, you think about that. When they came in and they burned the temple and they you, you, you destroy it, you know, I, I, I've been over there. I've seen those stones and, and, and that they built with. And it's like this was not a, it, it's not a masonry wall. We could go over here with some sledgehammers and tear this building down. We could tear this building down. You weren't going over with a sledgehammer and tearing the temple down. I mean, these were tons. The rocks were tons and tons. The, the, the stone used, the, it was incredible, all of that. So it wasn't a simple thing. But why would they do that? Because it was coated with gold. And so they, they, would, they, would, they had to melt a lot of the stone, but they would get in there and they turned every stone over because they wanted to get the, the gold out of every crack that they could. I mean, they raped the temple, took all the gold and everything. Matthew 23 Verse 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. The Lord had, had told them what was going to happen. And it happened. So during that raid there in 66, General Titus, who was the Roman leader who was over that, he didn't want the temple destroyed. That was not what he wanted. But there had been, there was all kind of animosity. This had been a battle that had been raging for quite some time. And he didn't want it destroyed. But his men were all frenzied. And they, as they attacked, they went in and they set the temple on fire. And he went trying to stop it. He was like, maybe I can at least save the, the, the Holy of Holies, the inner part of that. And it says, the story says that he stood in the doorway of the temple beating back his own soldiers with his sword. 
in, in an attempt to save the inner part of the temple. And, uh, and it was recorded that as the Holy of Holies burned, he cried out, As God is my witness, this was not done by my order. He wanted it to be known. That was not what he wanted to happen. But here's the thing. They unconsciously fulfilled the very words of Jesus. You know, he knew what they were going to do. He told them, this is what's going to be done. And it was done. And, and so, so the total destruction resulted in the worldwide scattering of the Jewish people into virtually every country on the globe. So that's where we're at. 66 AD, the, the, the Jews have been dispersed. There's been great persecution. They're gone. Israel, it, it, there's still some folks there because we're going to see. Um, I'm going to go as far as I can. i got about four more minutes. But God, okay? So almost every prophet spoke of a promised return to the land in the last days. And so that's why, you know, May 14th, 1948 was the fulfillment of that promise. They were dispersed and, and brought them back. So how did this happen? So everywhere the Jews have gone, they've been hated and despised. Um, I'm not going to say what I was thinking here. Uh, I'll be glad to tell you afterwards, but I'm not going to put it on the Internet. This reached its peak with Germany's Third Reich under Hitler's command, with six million Jews being killed by the Nazis. So after the dispersion of the Jews in A.D. 70, there remained a small group of Jewish people in the land. So there's still some. They've been dispersed everywhere, but there's still some people there. So they, they, here's what you find. 65 years later, now you come into the range of A.D. 132 to 135, and the Roman uh, emperor... Hadrian put down the last revolt. And, and so there's another battle. You're 65 years later, 70 AD, everything's been destroyed. Um, but there's still people there. There's still Jews there. There's still some there. And there's still a battle going on. But Hadrian puts it all down. This is the end of it. They destroyed Jerusalem on the ninth day of, of Av, 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 whatever that is. But it's the same day that the temple was destroyed in AD 70. So the last great Jewish army of an independent Israel was slaughtered. 580,000 Jewish soldiers were killed by the sword and many more by fire and famine. So this, this, this emperor, Hadrian, he changed the name of Israel to Syria, Syria, Palestinia. Sound familiar? Okay. That's when that happened, it was in around 135 A.D. So Changed the name of, of, of Israel to Syria, Palestinia, hence the name Palestine. He changed the name of Jerusalem to, um, I, I, I don't know how to pronounce that. I, I, even, I even listened to know how to pronounce it. Aila Capitolina, okay? I'm not good with whatever that language is. Uh, he built a pagan temple on the site of the ancient temple. I mean, it's just, we're going to pour salt in the womb. So he, 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 he's... He builds a pagan temple there, and he ordered that no Jew could approach the city of Jerusalem upon penalty of death. So the land became barren and deserted with no permanent residence. No permanent residence. So now it's truly a barren, it's a barren land. And um, powers came and went. The Romans were there. The Byzantines were there, the Persians were there, Arab Muslims were there, the Seljuks were there, the Crusaders were there, the, the, the um, Mamelukes were there, the Turks, and finally, after World War I, the British were there. By the end of World War I, there were almost uh, 50,000 Jews back in the land. Okay, so you're going 
hundreds and hundreds of years now. So you go back to A.D. 135, they're, they're totally dispersed. And now, after all these centuries, the Jews are coming back. And after World War I, historians, what year was, did the World War I end? 17, 18? Somewhere in there. Yeah, World War I. Not two, World War I. So somewhere 17, 18, right in there. So there were about 50,000 Jews back in the land. By 1928, now we're talking 10 years maybe, there was almost uh, 160,000 in the land. Now at that point, they're about 20% of the total population. Understand the land didn't become just uninhabited, but the Jews were gone. They were, there was such persecution and dispersion, they were gone. But they're coming back. World War I, 50,000. 1928, almost 160,000. And much of the middle part of the 20th century witnessed the mass exodus of Jews from, from Europe and elsewhere to return to the promised land. They were coming back. And um, it wasn't an easy return because they, they faced... They faced persecution for it. They faced dangers from it. They, 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 there were quotas that were limiting their return. So there were all kinds of obstacles. But this is amazing. World War I, the end of that, 50,000. By 28, there were 160,000. So by the end of World War II in 1945, there were about 600,000 Jews in Palestine. So that means in about 20 years, about 440,000 Jews came back to the homeland there in Palestine. Now, I'm going to end with this because I'm already over. Um, all their ancient neighbors were gone. The Moabites, where are they? The Hittites, the Amorites, the Edomites, all of them gone. Disappeared from history. But just as God promised, the Jews are returning to their land. So we're at 1945. We still got a little ways to go. I wish I had 15 more minutes, but I don't. Okay. We'll stop right there. We'll, fit, we'll pick up on that and finish up. Um, some, there's some interesting things with Israel. This to be said, uh, if Israel's not a nation, we're not in the end times. It's that simple. And it's one of the, it may be the most glaring thing that we look at in prophecy. Because if Israel is not a nation, there is no way we're in the end times. Because that is a key part of the end times. So that's, 1948, man, what a huge, huge date. We don't even think about that date. And I'm guilty I, 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 didn't, I couldn't have told you the date before I really began to study this. I couldn't have told you that date. I knew it was 48. I couldn't have told you the date. That's important. That's important. That's important. So um, we'll, we'll finish up, look at that, and look at the miracle of Israel as we finish up next week, okay? Any questions or comments? Any hard questions? We'll go to... Uh, who will we have? We'll let Jan answer any hard questions tonight, okay? No? What's that? Off? Did you look it up? So it was July? All right. Thank you. Good piece of info. You Googled it, didn't you? So you should have just said, hey, I got it all right here. Nothing? 
All right. Father, thank you for our time. Thank you for loving us and caring for us. Thank you. I, Lord, I thank you for your word. Everything we need is right there in your word. Lord, I pray if our folks here, and this is, well, we're preaching at the choir tonight. But Lord, any of our folks that don't really have a, a, a deep, deep love for the word of God or a burden to learn, to study the word of God, I pray you'll give it to them, Lord. There's so much joy as we study your word. And how else can we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? So thank you for your word. Thank you for teaching us from it and giving us all that we need. And we'll praise you and we'll thank you for that. Lord, give us a good rest of the week. I pray you'll watch over each one. And give us safety going home. And Lord, just uh, help us to look for those opportunities to be a blessing to someone around us and to share the love of Christ and the gospel message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. God bless. Have a great rest of the week.